Hello, and thank you for joining us on the Stay Healthy Knoxville podcast, brought to you by Simply Physio, aimed at helping you live an enjoyable, fit, and healthy life in and around our community of Knoxville, Tennessee. And now, here is your host, Dr. John Mark Chesney. Welcome here to the next episode of Stay Healthy Knoxville. I'm super excited to have on the show today Dr. Stephen Wheelis. He is um, a doctor. He's one of the top area and ENT specialists. He specializes in treating a spectrum of medical and surgical diseases that fall under a head and neck surgery. His uh, clinical interests include allergy and sinus disease, sleep surgery, thyroid disease. Uh, He has a passion for harnessing new technologies to safely and efficiently deliver top quality care to his patients. Today, we're going to be talking about sinusitis specifically. And Dr. Wheelis is board certified by the American Academy of Otolaryngology. Uh, uh, <laughs> those words always trip me up there. Uh, but thank you for the clarification. Undergraduate education at Davidson College in uh, Davidson, North Carolina, uh, medical school at the University of North Carolina. Um, his residency was uh, at the University of Vermont um, Medical Center, and now he's um, been practicing, I think, since uh, 2015. Is that right? With ENT, yeah. I think, what I saw? That's right. Okay. That's right. 2015, so seven years. Feels like it's gone by quickly or slowly, but seven years practicing here in Knoxville with East uh, Tennessee ENT consultants. It's flying by. I'm so, happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me today, Jean-Marc. Yeah, yeah it's, it's always a treat here to bring health experts on the show. And I love you know starting off with just understanding a bit about you and really to take us back into what got you into medicine, into the specialty of ear, nose, and throat specialty and such. Absolutely. My love of medicine goes way, way back. One of my first memories as a little kid was having a stethoscope and listening to my neighbor's heartbeats. So going all through school, I thought that might be a reality. I was also thinking about being a pirate for a while and a fireman. In college, I was able to dabble in both of those. I got to take a sailboat trip from Tahiti to Hawaii, aboard which we were doing some scientific research, but it allowed me to sail a a really big boat. It was a 140-foot tall ship between those two. So I got to dabble in the pirate thing and decided that wasn't probably a long-term career choice. Sure, sure. In college, I got to do a little bit of the firefighter thing and got that out of my system. Had a great time doing it, but again, medicine is always just, it keeps coming back around. This has always felt like the right thing for me. Yeah, so no no medicine on a cruise ship or anything like that? That could be a blend of the two, right? (laughs) Believe it or not, I thought about that. (laughs) I went into medical school having been a firefighter and EMT for a while, thinking that emergency medicine would be where I'd end up. Okay. But in medical school, you you sort of rotate around between all the different specialties, and everyone always tells you you're going to know where you fit. And that's really what I found with ENT, both yeah. the, the patient population and also the other docs in the specialty. It just it seemed like the right fit, and I feel very lucky to have to landed there. When as you were getting into medicine, I mean, was that kind of a shock, or did some people kind of have like maybe a a relative or you know somebody that's kind of in a field and they kind of know what direction they want to you know head into? Um, did you go into medical school with any type of inclination? Really did not. Nobody in my family is, has been in medicine at all. So okay. this is all kind of breaking new ground, and my family and I are learning together um, <laughs> what that means, both both to be the doctor and also to be you know the mom and the dad. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> to, to hear the stories and try and figure out and cope with what your kid is going through and what's going on in their day-to-day life. Yeah, nice. So 
Yeah. So as you got, what what really drew you to ENT? Was there a specific like event or story where it just kind of like you know kind of clicked, or you were going through your rotations and and such? It it really is sort of a culmination of things. Number one, just getting to work with the patient population. The cool thing about ENT, while it's such a small region of the body, there's so much diverse anatomy. So many different things can go on that we can help with different kinds of surgery, and that's sort of fun, both on the clinical side as well as the surgical side. You walk into a room and it could be anything. It could be someone with a thyroid problem. It could be a seven-year-old who's had recurrent ear infections. It can be a 45-year-old with sinus problems. Every day is a, just a completely different experience, and that makes it fun to practice medicine. Yeah. Do you ever see, you mentioned that you, um, you had some experiences at EMT yes. before um, going into med school? Mm-hmm. Is there ever experience with a kind of crossing of the two kind of emergent ENT needs or surgical stuff that you do? Or There is some overlap. Things that tend to bring an ENT in in the middle of the night. Right, I was getting confused with that. I was like, <laughs> which one am I saying? <laughs> EMT versus ENT. Exactly, exactly. Go. The things that tend to bring an ear, nose, and throat doctor in in the middle of the night or go. urgently into the emergency room are usually airway concerns, people who have a, a large cancer, or sometimes people who have developed angioedema, which is swelling of the the mouth, the back of the throat, also bleeding. Nosebleeds are a common one. Many people in our community are on blood thinners for a vascular or a heart problem. And those folks, if they have a nosebleed, it tends to be a doozy. Hmm. Uh, so sometimes we get involved in those patients' care as well. Nice, nice. I guess progressed through, you had, did you have a rotation in ENT, ear, nose, and throat? Sure did. Sure did. So the way med school works is kind of funny. The first two years you spend in a classroom, the third and the fourth years, you're really rotating around in different clinics, seeing different specialties and trying to figure out where you fit. And so I was fortunate to have a rotation as a third year with an ear, nose and throat doctor. And it just, it all seemed to really work. Hmm. It all seemed to really work. And I just felt like that was home. Yeah. And so I just stuck with it. And I've been fortunate to be able to continue my training and land here and Nice. Now, where are you originally from? Originally North Carolina. Okay. So that's where you went to school, for med school. It is, yes. So close to UNC, uh, Chapel Hill? It it was. It was was UNC Chapel Hill that I I went to school for residency. I actually grew up in a small town called Reedsville. It's sort of like in the top middle of the state. The nearest big city is Greensboro, North Carolina. Okay. Okay. I have actually a cousin lives in Greensboro. Oh, really? Yeah. And he went to UNC as well. But so, yeah, so finished your residency then. So, yeah, when when I was in Chapel Hill doing my medical school, I did some research in ENT. And my mentor from Chapel Hill, actually, towards the end of my training, went up to Vermont. She was going to run their surgery program. And so the residency program sort of recruited me through her. The residency, when you become a doctor and you're going for the residency thing, it's a really funny process called the match, where all the medical students in the nation put in their ranked list of choices where they would like to go. And the residency programs themselves also rank all the students. And then it all goes to a big computer and you get what you get. Hmm. And so I felt very fortunate to have a connection in Vermont. Nice. And during the residency, is that when you started actually practicing surgical procedures? That's exactly right. Okay. That's exactly right. So from the early part of residency on, it's sort of a progression where you get to do more challenging and challenging cases and see more and more of 
the spectrum of what ENT has to offer. Yep. So it's a combination of both some clinic time as well as time on the hospital floor taking care of post-operative patients, time in the operating room. Yep. And that responsibility grows as you progress through your training. Sure. I find that you know fascinating any type of surgeon, just that training process, because at some point you have to have the instruments in your hand, right? Exactly. <laughs> so how was that in the field of like ENT surgeries? Are there certain things that usually start off like trade it like the easy procedures or how is that? There sure are. Tubes and tonsils, ear tubes and tonsils are kind of the intro procedure for every first year resident. Okay. From there, when you move into you know, the more complex head and neck cases, the thyroids, and then you get into the cancers, and then sort of as a parallel track, sinus surgeries, moving up to sinus tumors, endoscopic skull base work, and then as another parallel track, they work in the ear. So that's often under microscopic visualization. So again, that that really speaks to why ENT is fun, because yeah. it's so different. Sure. Every day can be a, and you can have a day where it's a combination where you're doing an ear surgery and a thyroid and a sinus surgery. Yeah, so now are most, um, like in the field of ENT, I mean, ENT is itself a specialty of medicine, right? And then is there subspecialties in the field of ENT? There sure are. So at the end of your five years of ENT training, you are a, a generalist ENT. That's what most folks out in the community are. But you can go on to additional levels of training in otology or neurotology, which is working specifically with ear rhinology, working specifically with sinus problems. There's also facial plastics, there's head and neck cancer. So there are quite a few options even within the ENT specialty. They're super, super subspecialists. Yeah. And what area do you focus in on in your practice? Well, officially I'm a generalist, but I find myself doing a whole lot of sinus cases. Okay. Yeah. Sinusitis and allergy tends to be my big thing. As far as surgical cases, too, is that where there are certain procedures that you're doing more routinely? Yes, sir. Again, I, I largely focus on sinus, sinus-type sinus surgery. I, I do a little smattering of everything else, but sinus is my love. Yeah, I just think that I have a full respect for surgeons and just the skill. And my father's a dentist, and so they're working. It's not quite the same as surgery, but they're still working in small spaces. And I definitely don't work in small spaces. But part of that I recognized when I was, I think, in elementary school. I used to have the mechanical pencils where you have mm -hmm. to feed the lead through the tip. I remember feeding, um, having to reload my, my pencil and the lead snapping off halfway. And I just remember a distinct memory of like, I think this is probably what like dentistry is kind of like. And if it is, I don't think I want to go into the field of dentistry. You know, I enjoyed the field of medicine being a physical therapist. But so I don't know if that obviously was not in part of your history since you are a surgeon <laughs> of how to, how to manage like in, in such small places. If there's a personality piece to it or if there's just a like training and you get used to it with practice? Well, I don't know, but for me to land here, I think goes to prove that anyone can be taught anything. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. So you've been in Knoxville. How did you get to Knoxville then? Oh, I feel so lucky to be here. My wife is actually also in medicine. She is a vascular surgeon. Oh, really? And I so had no idea. We were looking for jobs in the same location, of course, and we had a little gap in between our training. She was going to come out a little sooner than I would have. And so this group was willing to interview me pretty early mm -hmm. in the residency training process. And boy, I just feel so lucky to be here and a part of this group. I've loved Knoxville. This yeah. has been fun. Had you been I'm excited to be back in the Southeast. <laughs> good answer. Good answer. Have, had you been in Knoxville much before actually living here? Not really. No. Okay. <laughs> no. I had certainly visited, yeah. but it had been many, many years. So 
Nice. I know we're going to get into the you know the topic of sinusitis. So that's coming up here for the second half of uh, the podcast. So we're going to take a break, uh, hear a word from our sponsor, and then talk all about sinusitis. Stay Healthy Knoxville is sponsored by Simply Physio, a physio clinic that equips and empowers you to live your life to the fullest so that you can enjoy the things you love to do and be the person you are made to be. Simply Physio specializes in helping people get back to a healthy and active lifestyle, living free from pain and medication and avoiding unnecessary surgery. Stay tuned until the end of the episode to receive a special gift from Simply Physio and enjoy listening to the rest of the episode. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. So we are here with Dr. Wheelis. I'm the ENT specialist. We're talking about sinusitis, really all things sinusitis for the second half of um, the podcast. So sinusitis is kind of a medical term, right? Average public wouldn't actually know what that means. So tell us, what is sinusitis? Yeah, absolutely. So what that really comes down to is sinus infection. Sinus infection. Sinus infection, absolutely. So a super common malady here in East Tennessee. So this is something that you obviously deal with quite a bit um, Mm -hmm. in your practice. So yeah, tell us a little bit about what causes like sinus infection and take us into educating us on the topic. Yeah, it'd be my pleasure. Thanks. So a sinus infection essentially is any time either a bacteria or a virus gets stuck inside the nose or one of the nasal sinuses. And what tends to happen is that causes the lining of that sinus to become angry. It gets swollen and it starts to produce extra mucus. And when we think about sinus problems, people fall into one of two categories. There's acute sinusitis. That's folks who have their condition for a short period of time. That's what we most commonly see. That's what most folks go to their primary care doc for. Many times it's viral and doesn't require any treatment at all. We tend to say if it lasts for a longer than seven to 10 days, it's probably bacterial. Again, in those cases, most times antibiotic will just knock that right out. Where we really come into play as the ENT surgeons are for folks who develop chronic sinus disease. When they have one of these acute infections, that just doesn't quite get kicked. And if it hangs on for a long enough time, we start to call it chronic sinusitis. So chronic, so they're having, what kind of symptoms are they experiencing then? And is it different acute versus chronic, actually the symptoms? Absolutely. So the symptoms are really kind of the same. It's really more the duration of the symptoms that would make the difference between the two. The symptoms that people generally suffer from, things like runny nose, uh, change in your sense of smell, nasal congestion, facial pain, facial pressure. Those are the common things we hear. And I'm just reminded of just in this pandemic that we're in, has that changed even with the the Omicron you know, variant? People compare it to like a lot of the symptoms of almost like what you've described. Absolutely. Has that been a, an added wrinkle to <laughs> your practice or how did you kind of manage through that? That's a great question. You know, it, it really has. The first thing that we always try and do is figure out exactly what someone is suffering from. And there's a lot of symptom overlap with allergy, with sinus disease, and and now with all this COVID as yeah. well. So that really is the crux of the whole issue. People often come to us for sinus problems, having complained of the types of symptoms we've been talking about for a long-term basis. Officially, a chronic sinus sufferer has had symptoms for three months or longer. Many times what we see is people have been dealing with this for years and they have just kind of given up. They feel like this is their lot in life. This is just how it is to live in East Tennessee. And the message I like to get across is that's not the case. Mm -hmm. We can get you back to a healthy nose. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's, yeah, that is interesting. I mean, you hear that, you know, East Tennessee, as far as allergies, 
is one of the highest, you know, areas, you know, as far as percentage of how they, you know, pollen count and all that. So I could imagine that there's, there could be a, a sect of, you know, individual that says, well, this is just kind of, like you said, this is just how kind of life is because this is maybe just where I live and something I just have to live with. Absolutely. Um, so what, when somebody has a case that goes more chronic, what do you find that contributes to that? Like what we've learned is that there really is a, a difference between the acute sinus sufferer and the chronic sinus sufferer. The chronic sinus sufferer has a combination problem, a combination of this kind of eh, low-grade smoldering infection that takes hold in one or several of the sinuses, and then the inflammation that that causes. And it's that, that swelling, that inflammation that then blocks off drainage passageways, so then that infection can't get out. And so then these patients get caught in this vicious cycle where they have the infection, that makes the swelling worse, that makes the infection worse, makes the swelling worse. So our job is really to break people out of that cycle. So take us into like, are there, is there kind of one main way to do that or a lot of options or kind of case specific? Absolutely. We always start with the easiest, the cheapest, the safest therapy first. So generally for a sinus sufferer, that is some combination of medical therapy. Again, for the chronic sinus sufferer, since they have this combination issue, both of this smoldering infection and the inflammation, we need to attack both of those, and we need to attack those issues more aggressively than they've probably had done prior to coming to our office. So generally, we'll start with a course of steroid and or antibiotic and kind of take it from there. The real difference in how we treat things is we really want to know how you do after this good aggressive medical therapy. I always tell people when they come to my office for the first visit, hey, this visit, we're just mostly gonna be talking. I want you to understand why we do what we do. It's really the next visit where the rubber meets the road because I wanna see how good can we get you with medicine alone? Is there anything that's left, anything we can't make better? In those cases, then we end up talking about some sort of procedural therapy. Okay. So in your practice, is there typically, a, I guess, a percentage of people that would, you find, respond to you know, conservative measures of medication, antibiotics and steroids? Sure. I think the first thing to recognize is the folks who come to our practice are those who've already been seeing their primary care doctor, often for months or sometimes even years. Yeah. And so many people have come to us and they have been on, for the last year, maybe a monthly antibiotic seven times. And what they tend to describe is this kind of roller coaster ride where they get a flare-up of their symptoms, they go to their primary care, they receive an antibiotic, and symptoms get better, but they don't quite go away. And then it's just a matter of time before things come right back. So what I tend to find by the time people get to me, they've been on that roller coaster for a, oh, quite some time. I'd say probably 50-50 in terms of the amount of people who come to our office end up getting, even, even folks in that state, uh, end up needing to go on to some sort of procedural intervention. Sure. So, yeah, so take us an individual who does not respond fully to, you know, the first prescription of, you know, medication. So kind of what, what is that next step? You mentioned, you know, surgery. So, yeah, tell us a little bit more about what that's involved and if that's, again, it's always kind of the same types of things or there's a lot of diff different options and even surgical procedures. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sinus surgery is really coming a long way and it is very much customized to the patient. No two patients are exactly the same. The second visit, after we feel like, okay, our back's on the ropes, we've done everything we can do medically, that next visit, that's really where we get into the nitty gritty of, okay, what sinuses are you having your problems in? Because oftentimes we find that a few sinuses are affected and others are completely fine. Some people come in and their main problem is 
their nasal airway. They don't even have a sinus problem. They have maybe a nasal scaffolding issue, if you will. You know, fixing the nasal septum, trimming down turbinates, which are normal structures in the nose, can improve their airway and they don't even have to have a sinus surgery. So it's really about trying to locate what those problem areas are and then figuring out a plan to deal with those. Oftentimes we use cameras, sometimes a CT scanner to help figure out. Just diagnostic wise. Exactly, exactly what we need to be focused on. And then once we've made that decision, really the options that the patient has in front of them would be determined by that. Sometimes we get away with, you know, a little in the office procedure. Sometimes we end up going to the operating room. Uh, But even those operating room procedures, that's outpatient surgery where you go home same day. Yeah. So if somebody was even, you know, considering listening to the, the podcast and maybe they've been through some treatments and they're identifying with what you're describing as kind of that up and down kind of roller coaster of, you know, the antibiotics help, but don't fully help. And they're, you know, beginning wonder if maybe they're, you know, a surgical candidate. But anytime you mention surgery, you know, it's always like that bit of like, ooh, uh, mm-hmm, <laughs> do I, mm-hmm. you know, it just comes with it, you know, some risk, right? Any type of, you know, procedure. Sure. So yeah, what's what's kind of that discussion with an individual? Absolutely. So first of all, it comes down to what are you a candidate for? No one wants to go and do a surgery that number one, isn't going to be helpful or number two, is going to do more than the patient needs. When sinus anatomy is normal, you don't want to mess with it. You Mm -hmm. really only want to address the sinuses that have an active problem. So surgery, even if you are going to the operating room, is done entirely through the nostrils with long cameras and long instruments. There are no no incisions. There's Mm. no cut on the face or anything like that. It's not something that changes the external shape of your nose, bruising, black eyes, incredibly uncommon. For the most part, my patients who've had sinus surgery, you could go to the mall the next day and walk around and no one would have any idea. Hmm. So yeah, so it sounds like the even recovery is pretty minimal. Indeed. What most people describe to me is they feel kind of worn down from the anesthesia. I ask that everyone take it easy for a week after the surgery. You're certainly not on house arrest. You can walk around the neighborhood, just, you know, no heavy lifting, no strenuous exercise. This is the case with virtually every surgery. Then I see you back in a week. We take out any packing that may still be in the nose. And really people live the, leave the office after that first visit back usually feeling like a million bucks, hmm. quite honestly. Yeah, and that's how long you said after the surgery? One week. One week. One okay. week, yep. Yeah, yeah, so I'm sure, I mean, I'd imagine that's pretty rewarding for yourself as a medical provider to, to see that type of impact and pretty quick impact too. Indeed, surgeons love immediate gratification yeah. and this surgery is certainly one that does provide that. Awesome, <laughs> nice. Yeah, and, and on the topic of surgery, any, anything else to add that would be helpful for you know, the public or listeners to know? Yeah, maybe just a couple <clears throat> things. Uh, number one, everyone always asks me, like, what is the point of surgery? What are you doing in there? And really the point of sinus surgery is to break that cycle we've been talking about. So what we wanna do is we wanna provide larger openings into those sinuses and we wanna get out that old infection. That way in the future, when a patient is faced with some sort of sinus infection, they'll have openings that are large enough that it won't get trapped in there. So they're better able to overcome an infection in the future. And the other thing I'd say about sinus surgery is it's a kinder and gentler surgery than many people realize. I think a lot of people come to me and they say, oh, you know, I've got a friend of a friend who had sinus surgery and, oh boy, they still tell that story about when they went back for their first post-operative visit. And the doctor was pulling out all this gauze. It was like the circus where the guy's pulling the ribbon from his mouth. It's really not like that anymore. Yeah, It's really not. We've come a long way, both in terms of 
from the patient perspective in terms of kind of how it feels and what it's like to go through as well as our outcomes, as well as our safety. Yeah, nice. Kind of interested too in, you know, people that you see that end up needing some sort of surgical procedure, their sinuses, are there any physical characteristics or kind of demographic characteristics that you see that's common in that nature? Sinusitis can affect folks of any age, any ethnicity, either gender. Yeah. This one hits all comers. Yeah, and I mean, it's typically it's not a piece with space, like you mentioned, like you're looking to see if there's enough space. Exactly. Um, it, it, this is all just plumbing. Yeah, nice. <laughs> I'm just a fancy plumber. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Absolutely. If we, um, yeah, I'd love to hear if we kind of reverse, if make sure we've, we've covered everything that uh, we want to cover with surgery. It sounds like we have. Sounds More good. or less. Yeah. Well, if we kind of reverse back to even the beginning, so definitely everybody kind of suffers from having some sinus stuff, mm-hmm. right? So, and, you know, I know there's, I'm sure a large percentage, you know, people are kind of wondering like, hey, before I even go to my doctor, like I'm not one that, you know, wants to just, you know, get into the doctor because I'm having this sinus stuff. So are, are there any other like uh, tips or recommendations for kind of even before you get there, what somebody might do? to help relieve some sinus pressure, maybe a beginnings of a sinus infection or just kind of that early stage? So I think the first thing is to kind of sit down and think about, is this really sinus or is this allergy? I think there are a lot of people out there in East Tennessee who suffer from allergy problems. And certainly that can have seasonal flares or flares after a patient has had an exposure. So the first thing to try might be something easy like an over-the-counter antihistamine, a Zyrtec, a Claritin, an Allegra, as well as maybe some over-the-counter Flonase, Fluticasone. Oftentimes, I mean, that that is foundational allergy medication. Oftentimes, something as easy as that, just those over-the-counter products, can, can get a patient through. For the folks who feel like, okay, this is different than my allergy stuff. This is an infection that's going on. Again, most of those tend to be viral. So many of those won't even require or wouldn't benefit from an antibiotic. Yeah. Uh, an easy first thing to try is sinus rinsing, which sounds kind of terrible, but actually it's a rinse bottle, like those old Gatorade bottles they had on the sidelines. And you put in a little packet of uh, special salt, and then you fill it up to the dotted line with water, shake it up, and you insert it into one nostril, gentle squeeze, and what'll happen is it'll go in one side and it'll come out the other. And with that, that'll rinse out, number one, allergy particles. And number two, it can help rinse out some of the, you know, bacterial load or viral load that patients may be suffering from in an acute infection. I'll tell you what, it doesn't sound like much, but that stuff is good medicine. Mm-hmm. Now, is that different than um, a neti pot? So neti pot is the brand name. Neil Med is the company that makes the neti pot. They also make the squeeze bottle. Both work equally well. In my personal life and also for my patient population, I think most people prefer the squeeze bottle. The neti pot, you're kind of turning your head sideways and you got to wait on gravity. The squeeze bottle is just a little easier to deal with. You just kind of lean straight over the sink. Okay, nice. Any um, any recommendations um, as far as like diet, nutrition, vitamins, anything like that that, that you recommend or don't really see that making an impact? That's a great question, John Mark. <laughs> I think uh, anything that will improve a patient's overall health is an important thing. So, you know, good nutrition, uh, but there's no particular supplement out there that really has a dramatic impact in terms of fighting off these illnesses. Sure. Okay. Uh, it, it's more a matter of making sure the, the whole patient is 
taken care of and in as good an overall state of health as possible. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, we're um, uh, transitioning uh, to some of our the, the questions that we like to ask here at the um, end of the podcast. But All right. Before we do that, we um, anything else that you'd like to cover here on the the topic? We we covered all the ba- the the core basics and uh, the only other thing I'd like to say is I know that there are a lot of people out there who've been dealing with this for a long time. Some folks who have maybe even had a sinus surgery in the past and they don't feel that they've gotten the relief that they deserve, we have an excellent track record of success. Whether you are a, a new patient who's never had this looked into or even someone who's potentially had some therapies in the past, don't give up. We're here for you. Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks. A few questions here to uh, wrap things up with. Uh, first of all, I would love to hear a bucket list item of a thing around Knoxville, Greater East Tennessee, um, that you'd love to do. Absolutely. So, one thing that is on my bucket list. I'm, I'm a bit of a photographer. I particularly like to take pictures of animals. Oh, nice. So, I want to get out to the Cataloochee Valley. I hear that in the fall, the elk are out there, and so I'd like to have some good pictures there. Nice. Uh, Cataloochee Valley. Where's that? It's in the Smokies. Okay. It's sort of uh, sort of on the edge is my understanding. Okay. And that's what I was thinking. Uh, again, I've not been, but I, I hear that they have like a great elk in the mist viewing area. Yeah. So. Have you ever, I mean, I just see a lot of photographers. I've been up um, the past year a few times to the Case Cove Loop. I don't know if you've okay. Um, okay. ever been yep. around the loop or done any photography around there. It's a beautiful area. Yeah. That's um, so that's area. pretty close to, I guess, the, the Catalucci. Yes, I think okay. so. I think yeah. that's how you say it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, thanks for sharing. That sounds um, cool. You'll have to, um, yeah, I'd love to see some of your photography. <laughs> <laughs> so um, nature animals, though, out in nature? Yeah, 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 where yeah. have you shot other places? So in the last couple of years, I've been out to Jackson Hole. And okay. Last year, my wife and I actually went to Kenya and Tanzania. So oh, we nice. did the safari thing. Oh, wow. And it was Awesome. Yeah, no, yeah that's, that's wonderful. That's not an East Tennessee bucket list, but that's uh, um, that's definitely a, a bucket list. I'm sure yeah. I've, I've talked to I mean a few other people that have done safaris, things like that, and that sounds like uh, an amazing experience. It it had been on our bucket list for a long time, yeah. and it truly met every expectation. It was life changing. Yeah, nice, nice. Do you um do you develop the pictures um, yourself or? Um, or, or is it more just kind of a standard photography? So I use now a digital camera, yeah. but I, I do spend some time in Photoshop and okay. Lightroom sure. uh, to try and maximize and sometimes uh, turn what I've taken into something a little bit better. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Try to anyway. Nice. <laughs> well, um, yeah, what's a place around Knoxville um, outside that you like to frequent? Uh, we love the water. We love the water. We don't have a boat, but we are not above standing in a marina and just asking if if anybody needs any crew for the day. (laughs) I grew up doing a little bit of sailing, so anything that gets me on the water, we love it. Yeah, if you're looking to get on a crew um, this last fall, I think it was the Santa Maria they had the replica of the Santa Maria coming through. And so we went and saw it, cool. but I can see if I can find the contacts. Cause they're always looking for, um, for crew. I think they were looking for a chef. You don't you do any cooking or anything like that. Looking for a summer job. Uh, that's probably not me. <laughs> okay. Well, if, if something changes <laughs> and uh, you have a career move, um, yeah, let me know. And I'm, maybe I'll get you a hookup on a Santa Maria on a cruise ship. In sailing, uh, we call my skill set rail meat and that, I can throw my body hard against the edge of the boat to, to bring it back down Okay, <laughs> when it starts to keel over. <laughs> well, um, yeah, what's a uh, favorite restaurant around Knoxville? Yeah, um, I, I'm not a real fancy guy, 
but I love some sushi. Uh, and so my favorite place is Anaba. My wife and I typically go to the one on North Shore, but okay. I, I think there's a downtown location as well. Uh, but that's that's my favorite place. Nice, nice. Um, and um, last thing, uh, what is uh, best tip or recommendation for staying healthy? If we want to keep with the sinusitis, we can, or you can go um, another route with that. Uh, I think I'm going to go in a different route. Okay. <laughs> so my best tip would be to minimize your processed foods and, and sugar. Yeah. I think there, there are so many parts of health that that affects, including a lot of the inflammatory pathways. So I guess that's a little bit sinus related, but I think that is probably the biggest thing people could do that would make the biggest change in their overall life. I certainly have noticed a difference. I don't always practice what I preach. Sure. Uh, the times that I'm able to stick to that type of diet, yeah. I, I do notice some improvements in my overall health and wellness. Yeah, definitely. Well, um, how um, can people get in touch with you, Dr. Wheelis? Absolutely. Anyone is always welcome to call our office. Our office phone number is 865-693-6065. Uh, we also have a website that's currently being revamped. That's entcet.com. Okay, awesome. We'll, we'll share those in uh, the show notes um, attachments uh, so that people can easily find you guys. Um, so I know you guys are doing some amazing work there with uh, patients and uh, definitely uh, a resource here for our community. So thank you for um, coming on the show and sharing uh, tips and ways that we can keep our sinuses free from infection or help to clear us out of infection and really enjoy life, right? Absolutely. That's what it's all about. That's right. Well, um, stay healthy, Knoxville. Thank you for tuning in to the Stay Healthy Knoxville podcast brought to you by Simply Physio. If your pain is preventing you from staying healthy and active and you'd like to avoid surgery, pain medicine, or just want to get back to doing the things you love in and around Knoxville, we offer both a free ebook and free over-the-phone consultation to help you figure out the root cause of your pain and the next best steps for resolving it. Find our ebooks online at simplypt.com/health-tips. There you will find ebooks for topics such as neck and shoulder pain, lower back and hip pain, knee pain, and TMJ. These quick-to-read reports will provide you with expert tips, tricks, and exercises to help solve your pain from the comfort of your own home. Just visit simplypt.com slash health-tips to download your ebook and have it delivered directly to your inbox. We also offer free, no-obligation phone consultations with a doctor of physical therapy to Knoxville area residents. Just call us at 865-351-0615 or visit us at simplypt.com and click the Talk to a PT button on the home page to schedule a call with us. Thanks again for joining us, and we will see you next time on the Stay Healthy Knoxville podcast.